to welcome you to our English ministry Wednesday worship. I am so excited to be here today uh, for those that are joining us on the live stream broadcasting, as well as those that are here in-house. It's such a joy to see all of you face-to-face. So I'm really glad to be here with you tonight. We see some new faces here and some familiar faces. I hope that the Lord will speak to you tonight and that you would be tremendously blessed by his word. Today is a day uh, we do once a month on the second Wednesday of every month. So please do tell your friends and families, even though you cannot join us in person or feel safer at home, you can still tell your friends to join in online through our live stream, which will be on our main page on YouTube and as well as our Facebook at 8 p.m. We just finished uh, giving our songs of praise and songs of adoration to our King Jesus, exalting his name. But at this time, I hope that you are prepared, that you are excited. We're going to get into a time of God's word. And I really want to talk about something um, that we may have forgotten in our lives as Christians, as followers of Christ. A message that I believe is a timely word for myself and I believe and I hope would be a timely word for you. A reminder for us today um, that even in the situations and circumstances of our lives, that we feel hopeless, that we have lost faith in sight of what God is doing behind the scenes, I pray that today's word would bring a refreshment that would refine your heart and bring you to remembrance and bring your faith back on its feet to remember that God, our God, is making a way for us where there seems to be no way. So today's title is called God Will Make a Way When There Seems to Be No Way. Just a few weeks ago, um, I was sitting in my car after I got off of work. I was sitting in the driveway. And from time to time, I actually do this. I just come home, I sit in the car, and I just reflect on what took place that day. And I start to think about what I need to prepare for the next day ahead of me. But during these times, I just like to relax. It's a little bit of alone time, me time. But one day, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting in the car, and as the playlist, the music was playing, a song came out on the playlist as it shuffled through my favorites. And that song that came on was Don Moen's God Will Make a Way. For those that know this song and know of who Don Moen is, Don Moen is a world-renowned Christian artist. He has written over hundreds of worship songs. Um, He is a great worship leader. Uh, He's done production, producing music as well. He's done work that was in musicals and also has written many books as well. But Don Moen is probably most uh, remembered for his songs like Give Thanks, Lord I Offer My Life, and Today We See God Will Make a Way. You know, this song is very powerful. It's a very subtle, gentle song, peaceful song, but when we understand where the song came from, where the lyrics came from, It speaks to us even more in a powerful way. I want to share where he got the lyrics to the song. Of course, it came from God who spoke to his heart, but it came in a very dark time in his life. God will make a way. This song, the story of this song is one day, his sister and his brother-in-law were on a ski trip in Colorado. And after their ski trip, they were coming on the freeway. Four of their children were unbuckled on their seatbelts and they were sleeping in the back because they had a long day. 
As they were driving on the freeway, a 18-wheeler truck had hit the panel of their minivan, and with that amount of force, the car jolted and got into a car accident. The mom and dad were fine. However, the seats of the children were unbuckled. They were resting and laying down. All four children had flown out of the minivan. In a frantic, the mother and father ran out of the car, calling out the name of the children, and they were able to hear the screams and the cries of their children, except one. Three of the children survived. One child had passed away. So Don Moen receives a phone call from his sister saying and sharing about the tragic accident that took place, and she asked Don Moen as a worship leader if he would play a song at their funeral, at his funeral. And he, they requested a specific song. Don Moen took the first flight out so that he can arrive to where, they're living, uh, where they were living at that time the next day. On the plane, he thought of a passage as he was just thinking about what had happened in his family. The passage that came up was in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And in that moment on the plane, the lyrics to the song started to come out from his mind into his heart onto a pen written on a pen, on a paper. This is where we see the song, God Will Make a Way, has come from. It came from a very dark, hurtful place in his life. And I want to share a chorus, just a part of this song with you today. The chorus goes, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. And now going back to a couple weeks ago when I'm sitting in my car just reflecting on how long of a day I had at work, the song starts to play and now I'm just in this roller coaster of emotions. Looking at the lyrics to the song, I just sit there and I start to think about my past. I start to think about all the good times, all the times of my ups, but also thinking of the times of my ups, I was also reminded of my times when I was down, the tough times of my life. Times I felt lonely as a young youth, times I felt lonely and isolated as a young adult in my early 20s, when no one understood me, when I felt like no one understood me, that I felt like I was the only one in this world who understood what I was going through. At that time, I have never wanted and desired answers so bad from God in my youth. So that's why I feel like the youth, that age, is such a precious time because that is the most chaotic time of our lives where we seek the most answers, I believe. And in that time, I came to remember a memory of when I was in my 20s. This is before I met Pastor Daniel. This is before I was in any church. I was just lost. I was a lost sheep, not attending service. But I remember one day I was getting groceries and on the way back home, my car, I just started to drive in circles around the city of Downey, where I used to live. And all of a sudden, I ended up at my old church where I attended youth group. It was Downey First Church, I remember. And now I'm sitting in the parking lot and I'm thinking, why am I in this parking lot? Why did I come to this church? I get there, it's sunset around 7 p.m. around that time. I go into the chapel, try to open the door, it's locked. I just stand there and I'm thinking, why am I here? Lord, I, I must be here for a reason. 
And even though the doors were locked, nobody was in sight. There was no minister or pastor that I was able to find. I sit on the step that leads to the doorway of the chapel and I'm just sitting there and I start to pray. And I start to pray the most sincere prayer of my life. And I ask God, Lord, you know that I have been seeking you. But because of my dirty soul, because of my sin, I have been so lost. Lord, would you make a way for me? During that time, I was going through a lot of stuff. My parents had divorced. I was in a broken house. I never understood what family meant. I was going through drugs and addiction. I was going through parties. And so I just felt like there was no reason or purpose to live in my life. But that is when I asked the Lord, God, would you show me a way for me? And in that moment, amazingly, I remember God answered my prayer. My mom was listening to the radio, um, the Korean gospel radio, and she heard Pastor Daniel uh, speak a sermon. And at the end of the sermon, there was an invitation to come to the church that had just planted, Green Hills Baptist Church. Um, my mom tells me to go to this church. I know you've been looking for a church. Go to this church and see how it goes for you because I've spoken with the pastor and he seems like a good guy. So I say, Mom, okay, I promise I'll go. I'll check it out, but I can't guarantee you that I'll be attending the church, especially because it's a Korean church. But I go the next day. Amazing things happen, and I get rooted into a church that I am still with today, a leader that I am still following and mentored by today, and a family that I have gone to grown up with throughout the 11 years or 10 years of the past years that have gone by. God answers prayers, brothers and sisters, and I know that some of us here today may be feeling like they're in a lonely place in their life where nobody understands them. You have questions and nobody has the answers to give you. You may feel isolated and you may feel like you are in the wilderness today. But unlike the Israelites where they were with many people, you may feel alone in the wilderness. I want to remind you today that even though you may feel like Nobody is understanding your situation. I don't know what you are facing right now that is difficult. I don't know what you are facing right now that is a hardship in your life. It may be something that has gone over the years that you have no resolution to and you may have given up on prayer. But I want to tell you today, just like how I found a way through God, God, our God, is making a way for you. Even though you can't see his doing and the hand that moves in your life, he is amidst this place. He is among us. And God is working behind the scenes. Even though it is silent, even though it is quiet, God is moving. And God is working. And he will continue to move in your life as long as you look to him. Trust in God. I was about to end the sermon here, <laughs> but I will continue on. Oh, I'm sorry. That would have been the shortest sermon I've ever spoken. <laughs> but that is the encouragement I want to give you. And today, I want to look at the passage that we find in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. I want to talk a little bit tonight about the wilderness. I think we've all been there. Some of us are in there. But we look at the wilderness tonight and times we feel stuck, times we feel that we have no way out. 
So let's go ahead and look at Isaiah 43. It's just a quick two verses I want to share and reflect on tonight. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. I'll go ahead and read for us in the ESV version. You can follow along on the screens or in your Bibles or on your phones. Let us read God's word. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Amen. Just a brief prayer before we begin here. Um, Lord, we thank you for being a God who never sleeps on us, for being a God who is available 24-7 of our lives. Today, Lord, I pray, Father, that in whatever situation that we may be in, that we may be reminded that, God, you are there for us and that you are with us and even though it feels so lonely right now and feels like you are absent in our lives, Lord, we are reminded that you are, in fact, carrying us through this time. So we give this time to you in remembrance of you being a God who never fails to make a way out for us. May this time bring glory to your name and comfort and peace to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to ask a question just before we begin here. You know, when we're in the wilderness, um, we kind of know what we go through, but what do you think God is doing in the times of our wilderness? In verse 19, the second portion of it, God says, I will make a way in the wilderness and I will bring rivers in the desert. When you think of the wilderness, what kind of surroundings do you think of? Usually it's dryness, deadness, brokenness, a lack of water. Some of the things that we are reminded of when we think of the wilderness or the desert. But here's the thing. In scripture and all throughout the word of God, the wilderness does not equal death but the wilderness, in fact, equals new life. This is what the wilderness speaks of in the Bible. Maybe in the world, watching shows like Survivor or Naked and Afraid, they may not be so. But we're here to learn from God's word, which gives us truth. And the Bible tells us that wilderness does not, in fact, equal death, but it actually equals new life. So I want to share three observations here tonight, starting with the first one. The wilderness does not equal death, but the wilderness equals new life. Over and over, the Lord uses this metaphor in the Bible to communicate to his people that he is actually preparing a way for them. That in times of wilderness, the Lord is in fact preparing a way for his people. That he is preparing them for something new and for something better than they have seen or what they're going through. Something new and something better. A background of what we're reading here is the prophet and the servant of God, Isaiah. The Lord speaks to his servant to bring comfort, to bring hope and newness of life to the people who are in fact in captivity in Babylon in, verse, or in chapter 43. People who are in fact like you and I, who are broken, lost, and isolated. 
this is the message God gives to Isaiah that God is capable and he is able of bringing, bringing something better to their lives. I want to share a few examples of people in the Bible of their wilderness encounters, starting with Moses. Moses' encounter with God does not happen in the palace. Where does Moses encounter God? In the desert, in the wilderness. God speaks to him through a burning bush. Another man we see in the Bible is Ezekiel. Ezekiel, wondering what God's plan for his people, the people of Israel, where does the Lord lead Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37? To the wilderness, to the valley of dried bones, so that Ezekiel may see the power of God and that his eyes may be opened. That chapter we see in Ezekiel 37 is, I will be their God and they will be my people. It is in the wilderness, it is in the desert that God leads us to see that God is actually in fact doing something new and bringing something better in our lives. Even Jesus, before he launched his ministry, where is he taken after his baptism by John the Baptist? He is led into the wilderness. For 40 days straight, he is tempted by the enemy. He walks out victorious Unlike the Israelites, after the deliverance in Exodus, Jesus walks out victorious and then he is brought into ministry. See, the wilderness may seem like a very bad place for us, but it's actually, in fact, a blessing in our lives. It's how we react in the times of our wilderness that will show the results of where we are. John the Baptist, even, baptizing the people at the River of Jordan, where is this all taking place? Where, in fact, is the River of Jordan? It's in the desert. And John the Baptist proclaims these words, in the wilderness prepares a way for our Lord. You see, this is the importance we see of what it is to be in the wilderness. If you are in the wilderness right now, a place of brokenness, dryness, a place of isolation that you may feel, this is actually a place where God is preparing you for something better. I want you to hold true to those words in your heart. We need the wilderness in our lives. The wilderness is such an important place for us. I was even uh, briefly uh, reviewing today's morning prayer sermon and Pastor Daniel talked about the life of David and in his times of wilderness, he was humbled and he saw and was reminded of the great love of God that he had for him. The wilderness is absolutely necessary, especially for those that are believers. It is, is it a time for preparation? It is a time for our training and for leadership. We need the wilderness. I learned that the hard way. I thought leadership was easy when I first got into it. I thought it was going to be exciting, but it's so hard. And um, there's a lot of wilderness. But I realize now why God puts us through these wilderness. It's because we need it. It's the wilderness that God brings out the possibilities of new life for us. And in the desert is where God can make a stream of living water. You see, you might be in the wilderness this evening. And you may feel like you are in a desert of dry land with no way out. But even in the today's reading, in Israel's most loneliest time, in their time of lostness, brokenness, and weakness, the Lord says to them, I can and I will make a way and I will bring streams of water. I can bring new life to you.
You know, I was thinking, um, just as I was reflecting on this, the Lord put something in my heart. He put a question on my heart. What do we do in the wilderness to survive? And this is more of a realistic talk, a practical way of thinking about what, is it ha- what happens when we're out in the wilderness? There's three things that the Lord placed on my heart just a few minutes ago. One is we need shelter. We need a tent. We need some kind of shelter to protect us from the weather, from animals, or any kind of possibility of sickness or viruses. We need shelter. Second thing is we need food in the wilderness to survive. And lastly, we need water to survive. First point I want to share comes from Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. We need shelter. And I'll go ahead and read it for us here. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so if we look at our lives and we're in the wilderness, we need shelter. That also goes according to our spiritual condition of where we need to find shelter. We find shelter in the Lord who is our refuge and our strong tower. And what is this psalm about? The Psalm 91 is about protection, trusting in God to be our protector. As we are sheltered under God's protection, we can trust in him that he will protect us and deliver us from evil, that he will protect us and deliver us from the hardships of our lives. Psalm 91, and in reflection to how we survive in the wilderness physically, we should also see that we need shelter in our spiritual condition. Finding trust in the Lord and constant fellowship with God in the shelter. Second thing I was reminded of is what do we need when we're out in the wilderness? We need food. And we need food. And this is the most, one of the most famous passages we see. Matthew 4, 4 talks about our spiritual food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So while God is making a way for us in the wilderness, what are we to do as believers, as followers of Christ? We are to live by the word of God, to constantly feed off the word of God, just as we would eat out in camping or out in the wilderness. Lastly, what else do we need to survive as human beings, especially out in the desert? We need water. And I was reminded of John 4, where we look at the story of the Sumerian woman, the woman in Samaria. And if I can go ahead and just read that for us. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Just as we need water to survive in this earthly form, earthly body, we need the living water to survive in our eternal being. What does this mean for us today? For those that have not accepted Jesus Christ, for those that do not know and have received the gospel of Christ Jesus, we need the living water, not the water that we find in this world that will remain thirsty and thirsty again. But we intake, we receive Christ who is the living water that gives us eternal life. So while we are in the wilderness, we are sheltered by God and we remain in fellowship and we trust in him. Second, while we are in the wilderness, we are to 
feed off the word of God. And lastly, we are to be reminded of our salvation that is secured in Jesus Christ as he is our living water. Second point and observation I want to share here is God's unlimited ability to transform is greater than our limited ability to see. In verse 19, the first part of it, behold, it reads, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? First word we see here is behold, or in other words, see. The Lord is signaling us as readers to open our eyes to something, to pay attention. I am doing something new. And it then says, now it springs forth to spring up. The word spring up throughout the book of Isaiah refers to grass coming out of the ground, seeds coming out of the soil, and also figuratively speaking of Israel's righteousness springing up. God is telling us through this passage here that we are to open our eyes, pay attention, to see that something is coming ahead of us, something that we cannot see. And then he asks the question, do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? The Lord is saying, I am able to see something that you cannot see. I am able to do something that you think that I can't do. I am able to do immeasurably more than you can imagine. See, God's unlimited ability to transform is much greater than our ability to see. And here's the thing about God. When we look at the circumstances of our lives and the situations of our lives, all we tend to see is stress, tension, and impossibility, do we not? But God looks at those same events, the same circumstances that you are in, and he sees a chance to transform. The wilderness and desert, when we think of it, is a constriction, it's a liability, it's limitation. But when God sees the wilderness and the desert, he sees an opportunity for a place of transformation in us. We look at the desert and the wilderness and we see death, hopelessness, and lifelessness. But God sees opportunities for a new life, for transformation and renewal. Our last observation here tonight is, in the wilderness, forgetting leads to renewal. Verse 18 says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I want to focus on the main verbs here, forget. Do not dwell in the past. Do not consider the things of old. This right here is very powerful. Do not dwell may also mean do not consider, pay too much attention of what has gone in the past. Forget literally means in this passage, in this context, do not remember. You know, there are actually many ways that this passage can be interpreted. One way that it can be is referring to the previous verses, 16 and 17 in Isaiah 43. It talks about the chariots and the armies that were swallowed up by the waters, how God had delivered them and swallowed them up. And this refers to going back to the Exodus, the deliverance in Exodus. Exodus. It can mean that don't remember that time of deliverance, but remember this situation. Look to this situation because this is a different situation. God might also be saying in the present, in this moment now that you are facing, I don't want you to dwell too much on the past that you neglect what is happening here before you and you fail to trust me. There's many interpretations that we see um, but one thing that I was able to see that I want to share with you tonight before we close is 
I saw the later verses in this chapter. And in chapter 43, verse 25, there was an interesting verse here that helped me to see a new perspective about forgetting, leaving behind what is in the past. Verse 25 reads, I, God, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God is saying, I will remember your sins no more. What can help us to forget the past, to not remember the former things? It's simple. To know that God doesn't remember the former things. You know, there's a power in forgetting the transgressions that have been made upon you, transgressions that you have given to others, for them to be able to forget and let you go is such a powerful act. And it reminded me, uh, I'll be closing soon with this, it reminded me of a time when I was 20 years old, I was working at a pet store, and I would make many runs to the veterinarian, to the vet, because the pets needed vaccination and some of the pets needed uh, examination. One day I was taking a dog, I forgot what kind of dog it was, I think it was a Yorkie. <laughs> I was taking this Yorkie and I was going to the vet, I dropped the Yorkie off, and on my way back, I was so tired, and it was in Melrose, and so there's a lot of traffic in Los Angeles. I was on, this local, on the local street on a red light, trying to make a left turn that was just backed up for about half a mile. And I'm sitting there like, oh man, I really need to get to the store because I'm really sleepy. And I actually fell asleep at that red light, and I let go of the brake. And so my car, I used to drive a pickup truck, a Frontier, my truck started to go slowly, and of course there's cars in front of me. I ran into a SUV, but thank goodness I was going slow. Well, the guy got out of his car, and this guy looked like a security guard, like a bouncer. He was like 230 pounds, like muscly. He was bald, this white guy with glass sunglasses on. He came out of the car, and he approached me, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is the day that I die. So I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, man. What am I going to say? I hope there's no damage. I put the car in park, and I go outside, and I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> to be honest, I'm just, I'm working right now, and I just fell asleep, and I, I accidentally let go of the brake. And he looks at his car, and he's like, all right. And he comes back to me, and I'm thinking, oh, man, like, oh, I got to take it up with insurance, and it's just a headache. He comes back to me, and he's like, hey, um, today's going to be a good day for you, man. I'm like, Why? You're not going to break two of my arms, just one? He's like, no, 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 I'm just kidding. He's like, it's going to be a good day for you because, you know, let's just forget that this happened. Yeah, I'm just going to forget about it because there's not much damage. And I understand, man, like, LA traffic sucks. You're young. You're working. I don't want to go. I don't want to put you through that, man. And he lets me go. <laughs> he lets me go, and I lived. I survived that day. And there was just this moment where I got in my car, and I'm just like, Lord, what just happened right now? Like, I thought I was literally going to get beaten down. I was going to have to go through insurance, pay money to this man. He permitted, he, he let go of my iniquities, of my wrongdoing. And he forgot about what happened. He says, just forget about it. Don't worry about it. There's power in forgetting offenses. And that's something that's very hard for us to do. If somebody hurts you, uh, you may forgive them, but you won't forget. And there's that famous worldly phrase, I will forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. 
How much more powerful will those words be if you said, I will forgive you and I will forget what happened? It's just, it's not natural for us to say, I'm going to forget, I'm going to forgive you and I'll forget what happened. We always hold on to not forgetting, but we need to forget. Because if you're forgiving, yet you're not forgetting, you are still harboring those feelings of anger and bitterness. And in actuality, if you can't forget, maybe you haven't really forgiven. However, like this passage tells us, maybe I'm not using it in the accurate way, but an example to this point, for us to forget about the past, the Lord forgets our sins. God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, as Psalm 103:12 says. And when God forgives us of our sin, he wipes our slate clean. He puts it out of his mind and he erases it from any record. He forgets about it. God's forgiveness for our sins renews us. So I encourage you that we too should walk in the image of God. To better help us on how we should walk in the image of God. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 through 17. Paul writes, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'll be closing here with this. God is making a way for you and I as we go back to the main point of tonight. God is working where we cannot see and God is moving in our midst. However, one thing I do want to mention, aside from that God is working in your life right now, God has already made the greatest way for you through his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Yes, God is working in our midst, but God has made a way the greatest way for us to walk through. God has made a way to delight in him, to enjoy in him, and God has made a way for our salvation. He has made a way for us to walk into through his sacrifice that we may have an eternal life with him. John 14, 6 reads, Jesus said to him, I, speaking to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you believe this? God has already paved the way, the greatest way for us to delight in him, to enjoy in him, a way to salvation, but also for those that are in times of turmoil, times of distress and hardship, times of wilderness and in the desert, God is working and making a way for you today. There is a strength that comes to us in the wilderness. There is hope that comes to us in the desert experience. And the Bible tells us the same power, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is working within you and in your life.
The promise for you and the promise for me is that in the wilderness, God shows us the way that God can also make a way. Truth for you and for me is simple. In the wilderness, God shows us that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Let us pray. Lord, I sit or I stand here today um, hearing amazing testimonies from the people around me of how you made a way for them in their lives. We reflect and we glorify your name as we remember how you have brought this church to be. All the times that we were confused and all the times that we doubted and thought that this could never happen. The times where we were empty-handed, almost feeling like we're standing outside alone without anything for us to use to plant a church. Lord, we look around us today. Oh, how you have seen us, Lord, and brought your favor upon us and you have kept your promises. So we glorify and we thank you, Lord, at this time that you have made a way for us to be here today under this roof. And we believe that you will bring great things ahead of us. Father, I want to declare that, Lord, one day we believe in your timing that you will give us a church, that you will give to us a place where we can freely worship, where we can freely make disciples, God that you will provide for us a way. That we can come together and worship your name. We believe, Lord, that you will provide for us a place, a space where our ministries can grow, where we can expand into the cities around us, Lord, into the communities. We believe you will make a way for those that are in this room today in whatever situation that they are facing. You have already brought them through many ways. You are a God who is unstoppable. You are always working. This is not the end. You are continuing your work in our lives as your hand moves in our lives individually, in our families, in our children who are rebellious, in our children who may be going through addiction in our families who have broken relationships, marriages that need reconciliation, God. People that need to hear the gospel, Lord. We believe that you are making a way for us. And we look to your promises, God, because you are a God who never breaks his promises. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for our brother Jimmy showing us as a walking miracle, as proof that you are a God of miracles that you are a God who is a promise keeper. And as we see him, we glorify you and we remember your great power. So with the song, God, I look to you, we pray, Father, and I hope that we may look to you, Lord, in the times of our wilderness, in the times of our desert experiences, that we can trust in you and know and believe in our hearts and rise up in our faith to believe that you are working and making a way. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray.